Okay. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. So Allah perfected his internal and his external. Uh, one of the verses that's talked about in the Quran about following the way of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was says لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا You know, you have in the way of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam a good example, a wonderful and good example. And Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah, one of the commentators of the Qur'an, he said, you have a good example, it means, uh, it means فِي أَفْعَالِهِ وَأَقْوَالِهِ وَأَحْوَالِهِ It means you have a good example in his actions and in his statements and in his internal states. So it's important to recognize that we are composed not only of our external actions, but what we actually have going on in our hearts. Uh, the poet, he said, أَقْبِلْ عَلَى النَّفْسِ وَاسْتَكْمِلْ فَضَائِلَهُ فَأَنْتَ بِالنَّفْسِ لَا بِالْجِسْمِ إِنْسَانُ You know, he said that come towards your nafs, your soul, uh, and, 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 and bring it to its fruition. Because it's by your soul, not by your body, that you are a human. That the body is not what makes us human, it's the soul that makes us human. And so when we think about the Messenger wasallam, we think not only about the beauty of his physique, or the beauty of his character externally, and his manners, but also what he holds inside. Uh, because a lot of times we could have things externally, and they may not reflect internally. So Allah, or the, the poet here in Busiri is saying that Allah perfected for the Prophet ﷺ his internal as well as his external. Both of them are complete. And one of the du'as that said that the Prophet ﷺ used to encourage people to make, uh, or that we learn from his way, is that when we see a reflection of ourselves, we should say, Oh Allah, perfect our, our, in, our, our character just as you have perfected our creation. So make beautiful my khalq, uh, my khulq, just as you've made beautiful my khalq. So there's this idea that in the way that we have been created and designed as human beings, it's not simply an issue of who is more or less beautiful uh, in a worldly sense, but just the entire design of the human being. Um, there's signs in themselves that the design of the human being is very beautiful. And... Uh, it's, you know, that, that, that recognizing that should then cause us to recognize that our internal uh, needs to be beautified as well. And that can be given to us as a gift from Allah. Then he says, then he chose him as his habib. Meaning, you know, this was one thing that he did to him. He gave them this gift to being perfected internally and externally. But then on top of that, he chose him as his habib. Allah chose the Prophet ﷺ to be his beloved. And the Prophet ﷺ said that when he was young, all of these acts of jahiliyyah that people used to do, he wasn't concerned with them, that he didn't worship idols, that he was al-ameen in the earlier days. So these are all signs of his perfection. Uh, and then as, uh, as part of that, Allah ﷻ chose him as Habib. There's also a discussion here on how it is that we can think about the Prophet them as being uh, greater than the other messengers. But we've already had that discussion before, as far as I can remember. I'll repeat it very quickly, just in case, but uh, we've had it before. We also talked about last time I was here, this issue of the Prophet them being the Habib, being the beloved of Allah, and how uh, there's a number of places where it shows us in the Qur'an that Al-Habib, is a higher level than Al-Khalil. And Al-Khalil is Ibrahim salam, And Al-Habib is the Prophet Muhammad wasallam. And then there were five or six examples that Ibn Ajiba had given us. So how, how is it then when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, La nufarriqu bayna ahidim min rusuli That we do not differentiate between any of the messengers. How is it that we're talking about the Prophet wasallam as being the greatest of messengers? It is because... The distinction, there's different ways to interpret it, but essentially the distinguishing between the messengers is not distinguishing between them in the sense that they are all prophets of God, they're all or messengers of God, 
that they are all chosen people, that they all had inspiration from him, that they were all perfect in their character and their conduct and the delivery of their message, all of those base level things. But still they're not in the realm of prophecy, they're not all equal. And we talked about the verse of Ulul Azmi min al-Rusul that Allah mentions that there are those who are of a, uh, the possessors of resolve from the messengers namely Abraham or, or Noah, Abraham, Moses, Jesus and Muhammad وسلم, that have been specifically mentioned by name in the Quran to be of a higher level and then we also have another verse in the beginning of the third juz of the Quran تِنْكَ الرُّسُلُ فَضَّلْنَا بَعْضُهُمْ عَلَى بَعْضٍ مِنْهُمْ مَنْ كَلَّمَ اللَّهِ وَرَفَعَ بَعْضُهُمْ دَرَجَاتٍ That those are the messengers. We, pre- we preferred some of them over others. Some of them, from them is one who God spoke to directly, meaning reference to Musa salam. And then some of them we raised in levels versus others. So they're not all the same. مُنَزَّهٌ عَنْ شَرِيكٍ فِي مَحَاسِنِهِ Exalted above having a rival in his perfections, in him is the undivided essence of beauty. So the idea here is that, again, the Prophet ﷺ, there's no one that's close to him. The level of perfection of him and his character and his being was the absolute perfection that a human being can come to. He's actually considered to be the perfect man, Al-Insan and Kamid. He's the perfect man. One of the amazing things about this is that as in so far, he, at the same time that he is the perfect man uh, and, and, and his qualities and his attributes have reached a level of perfection that nothing else in creation can reach, he is still a man. Uh, he is still a human being. I am but a man like you. Uh, in the Quran, in many different places, it says this. But he's not. You know, so that's that's kind of like the um, the irony of it, or the um, it's he is, but he isn't. He is, but he isn't. He is a man, but he's not like other men, right? So there's this this balance there. They said he is not like other men, just like the way a ruby is not like other stones, right? So if you're to say. Yeah, uh, the, the 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 stones are all stones in the end of the day, but they're not all the same. You know, they're different levels of beauty. And uh, one of the things that comes up here is that, as much as he has a khususiyah, as he has a special um, relationship with Allah, he still has bashariya, and this applies to all of us. He still has his his human essence. So the idea is that in the end of the day, we're all human beings. In the sense that we all have these physical bodies and we all exist within the confines. Our souls are all limited inside the confines of these physical bodies at this particular time. And when we engage with each other, it's our physical bodies that we're seeing in front of us. Uh, There are impacts of, of the state of the person's soul can have an impact on the person that they're dealing with. That a person can be very pure in their soul and then the person they're dealing with will be influenced by that or they'll be affected by that. There's calm that can come with that. There's anxiety that can come with the opposite. you know. But all of it is still behind the uh, looking glass of the bashariya, of the humanness of the person. The humanness of the person can be a veil from realizing their specialness. The humanness of the person can be a veil from realizing their specialness. And this was, I think, going to come much later, so I'll just bring it now. Uh, one of the things that they say is that al-qurbu hijab. Al-qurbu hijab. Meaning your proximity to the person can be a barrier from you realizing the true excellence of this person. So I say some of the... Uh, because you deal with them on an everyday basis. You, know, you, see, you see them when they wake up, you see them when they go to sleep, or you see them in all kinds of circumstances. And then what you see is that uh, limited expression in their human form, but they may have something else 
that's very special underneath it. And it doesn't mean that what you're seeing is bad. It just might not be, you might not see anything special, you know. It's like that hadith we've talked about before of the man who came into the gathering of the Prophet ﷺ. He told his companion, someone's coming in, he's from the people of paradise. And that happened three days in a row. Then the Sahabi went to him, he spent some time with him. Then after he left from him, he told him, you know, I came to you because the Prophet ﷺ said, you're from the people of paradise, I wanted to see what was so special about you. But I stayed here with you for three days now and I didn't see anything special. So, you know, tell me what the situation is. You know, you're not praying all night, you're not fasting during the day, what's going on? The guy said, this is what it is. And then after, after he was leaving, he said, the only thing is when I go to sleep at night, I go to sleep at night with clean, my heart is cleaned from any ill feelings towards any Muslim. So he said, that's it. Now, in his three days with him, could he see that? Sure. You could probably say that there's indications of that. But he didn't really notice it. You know, there's, there's certain things that if you just deal with a person at distance, you don't realize how special they are. So my example with this always is Imam Zaid. That Imam Zaid as someone who is distant, he just looks like Imam Zaid. He comes to a lecture, he gives some jokes, he laughs, he's like a li- does a little bit goofy stuff here and there, says some things, seems very simple. Whatever, you know, and that's his, that's who he is. But who he is is actually a lot deeper than that, right? But what happens is that the, the humanness of the person sometimes can be a barrier from realizing how special they actually are. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa is The undivided essence of beauty resides in him. Um, and there is an idea in the Qur'an, one of the brothers was asking me about this on Friday, of being able to see, but not actually being able to see. Mm. And I don't remember the exact verse right now. I believe it was in Surah Yunus. He said that, or not, he said, there's the verse, we were looking at it. He said, it's, the verse says, uh, that from them are people who listen to you And then it says to the Prophet From them are people that listen to you And then it says are, Can you make the one who's deaf hear? So basically it's saying like They listen to you but they're not getting anything from it And then the verse after it says And from them are those who look at you But they don't actually get anything from it so they see, they actually see the Prophet them, and all they see from him is his bashariya, his his humanness, and they don't actually get a deeper taste of it. Then we have the verse that I told you is the the one that kind of there's a couple of them that are coming that kind of hush the whole you're praising him too much thing. So the next verse is da fi he says, leave the claim that the Christians have made regarding their prophet. Then say in his praise what you will, but do so wisely. So the idea here is, you know, people say, and, and, and he says this in the commentary, this is a direct reference to the hadith of the Prophet them that says, do not exaggerate about me as the Christians exaggerated concerning the son of Mary. Say instead, the servant of Allah and his emissary, Abduhu wa Rasulu. Abduhu wa Rasulu, his servant and his emissary. So basically the Prophet them is saying, don't turn me, don't take your praise of me to the point that you turn me into the son of God. That's what, the, what some of the Christians did with uh, Jesus. So this verse is saying, leave that which they did in terms of ascribing to him any sort of godliness. Uh, uh, and divinity, I should say, describing to him any sort of divinity, and at the same time, you can pray. After that, praise him however you want, because we're, we're, the distinction's clear. He's not God. He's not the Son of God. He's not divine in his powers. He's not 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 all of these things. Sallallahu alaihi wasallam. But after that, he is the greatest of human beings, and it is Allah who gave him everything that he has, and Allah. Could give and take to whoever he w- take from whoever he wills. So leave it in that sense. Uh, and this is you know even even the concept of of miracles. 
is a gift that Allah gives to different prophets. You know, He gives them to different prophets. And it doesn't mean that it's a sign of their divinity. He does a little uh, thing on here about Jesus, alayhi salam. And how in, in the Qur'an, the mentioning of Jesus is, he translates it interestingly. He doesn't say he, brings people, he brought people back from the dead. He calls it quickening of the dead. So it's just to make sure that people don't misunderstand. Because in the Qur'an, it's very clear. It says, Jesus did this, bi'idhnillah. And he did this, bi'idhnillah. And he did this, he brought people back to life, bi'idhnillah. Meaning he, he brought them, returned them to life, bi'idhnillah. With the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And those miracles were all related to their different times and places. So Musa salam lived in a time and place that was very big on magic. And so his miracles dealt with uh, the turning of the stick into a snake and his hand coming out of his pocket. They dealt with magic. And the miracle of Jesus, the miracles of Jesus dealt with uh, what seemed to be medicine because that was a big thing in his time. And of course, the time of the Prophet wasallam. His, um, his, the, mirror, the thing of his time was that people were very interested in language and poetry and words and how they fit together and so on. And so his great miracle was the miracle of the Qur'an. And that was a miracle then that is not limited necessarily by time and space because it deals with uh, a text itself rather than individual incidents that occurred. And he also did have individual incidents that occurred, sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam. Then he continues, he says, وَنْسُبْ إِلَىٰ ذَاتِهِ مَا شِئْتَ مِنْ شَرَفٍ وَنْسُبْ إِلَىٰ قَدْرِهِ مَا شِئْتَ مِنْ عِظَمٍ فَإِنَّ فَضْلَ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ لَيْسَ لَهُ حَدٌ فَيُعْرِبَ عَنْهُ نَاتِقٌ بِفَمِي Ascribe whatever honor you will to his essence and ascribe what greatness you will to his worth. For the worth of Allah's emissary has no limit that could be expressed by a human mouth. So the idea here is that Praise him however you want to praise him. Your praise is not going to reach the level of his greatness. And you can say whatever you want, but in the end of the day, Allah praised him. And no matter how much you praise him, your praise of him cannot equal Allah himself praising him. And this is why one of the poets, Ibn Farid, he said that he was asked, how come you don't write praise, poetry or prose about uh, the Prophet them, you know, all these kind of things. And he said, I consider all praise of the Prophet inadequate, even if his praises are extensive and far-reaching. When Allah praises him with what he merits, what worth is praise given to him by man? So he's expressing this. It is Allah who has praised him. Another of the, of the scholars, Ibn Juzay and Kelbi, uh, he wrote a very important commentary on the Qur'an. Uh, he said the following about this whole issue. He said, I attempt to praise the chosen one, but am prevented by my inadequacy in comprehending his merits. How can I possibly contain the brimming ocean? How can I possibly count all the grains of sand and stars? Had my every muscle turned into a tongue, I would still be unable to attain a portion of his praise. Had the creation entire assembled together in his honor, they would not fulfill what is truly incumbent. So our tongue has held us back out of awe and courteousness and out of fear and exaltation for the one of loftiest rank. How often eloquence is found in silence and how often does speech reprove, reprove the speaker. So it's very powerful what he said. How often eloquence is found in silence. Sometimes, sometimes there's nothing, there truly are no words to describe what's happening or what you're experiencing or what you're seeing or to respond to the situation that someone is sharing with you. Sometimes there truly are no words. And so he says that I'm having a hard time because I, I, it's going to come up short. One of the things to think about here that comes to mind right now is that In the ideal situation of the person's relationship with Allah and their relationship with the creation, uh, in, in a good, in a good uh, example of that, it should be the case that we can't actually praise the person with what they deserve from praise. What do I mean? I mean that, for example, when they were going around, after, when Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu was on the end of his life, 
and they were going around and they were trying to uh, ask about different people who could be in leadership positions. And they asked someone, one of the companions, about Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu. What do you think of him? What do you know of him? So the person basically responded with, in paraphrase, they basically responded with, we don't know anything about him except for good, and what we don't know about him is better than what we know about him. What we don't know about him is better than what we know about him. So the idea is that people who are very sincere in their relationship with Allah, that will have a consequence in terms of their worldly life, for sure. You will see good from them, you will see great behaviors from them, conduct from them, generosity from them, all of these kind of things. But in the end of the day, they're not going to show you everything. And they're going to have good things that they do that are between them and Allah that nobody else knows about. They're going to have things that they, they engage in that people don't realize, things that they aren't getting praised for. you know. Uh, but that's between them and Allah. So when you try to describe them, you're automatically going to describe them in a way that comes up short. Because there's a lot of good things that they're doing that you don't even see. And sometimes, uh, in general, you know, with many people, there are good things, even if you look at them and you think, oh, this person's so-so, or this person has this kind of issue, which is a dangerous road in and of itself. But they might be doing things that you don't realize. And one time there was a man that we knew, and he passed away. And it was known that he had difficulties with certain things amongst the things that he had difficulty with for example uh, let's just say he had difficulties with certain things people knew that they didn't consider him they felt that he was a very honorable person he was a very good person but he wasn't you know he had some issues and they said that after he died the people began to receive phone calls from Afghanistan he was from Afghanistan after he died, people began to receive phone calls from Afghanistan. And uh, these people who were calling, they were asking about him. What happened? Is he okay? Is something going on with him? So on and so forth. And they were like, yeah, he passed away. You know, who are you? Why are you calling? Like, what's, what's the story behind this? You know? And the situation was basically that for many years of his life, he was supporting orphans and widows and all of these people who were in need in Afghanistan and nobody knew about it. Nobody knew. He'd be sending money every month, sending money to these families, to these institutions, whatever it might be. And uh, nobody knew. And, and so when he died, no, there was nobody to contact them to tell them that this isn't coming anymore or whatever. But they knew once the money stopped coming that something happened. It wasn't like they were worried about the money, they were worried about him, right? But there's this deed that nobody knew about, that was inside. Uh, so if any person had tried to praise him, they wouldn't have been able to do it appropriately because they wouldn't have known about these things. And the Prophet ﷺ, although his life is an open book, in, in, in a way that is more apparent than anyone else ever in creation, uh, and everything that he did was observed and, and, and recorded and sent down through the generations Certainly there were still things that happened in his heart, in his mind That were between him and his Lord that we don't know about And we can only imagine how magnificent they were right. The next line If his miracles were commensurate with his greatness the mere mention of his name would give life to dry bones. If his miracles were commensurate with his greatness, the mere mention of his name would give life to dry bones. Again, this is um, praising him and exalting him. There are some people who said that this particular line is too much. You know, that, you know, saying that his miracles are not commensurate with his greatness is too much. Because his miracles are gifts that came from God to prove his prophecy. And those came from God. So when you say that they're not equal to his greatness, then there's something that could be said about what the person is saying about God there. And they said that that's actually an incorrect way to think about it. Because in the end, there's two points. One of them is that all of these things are from creation. 
Even his miracles are from the creation of God, just as he himself in his greatness is from the creation of God. So one creation of God can still be better than another creation of God. That's perfectly fine. The second thing is that they say it's actually incorrect to assume that this line includes the Qur'an. So this line does not include the miracles of the Qur'an. So when it says that had his, uh, when the meaning of which, it's, or the, it says if his miracles were commensurate with his greatness, it indicates that his miracles are not commensurate with his greatness, right? But that doesn't include the Qur'an. Because the miracle of the Qur'an is a miracle that is the word of God itself. Uh, he says, Ibn Ajiba says, Now, none of what we have said here applies to the Qur'an, for it is Allah's uncreated speech, and it is transcendent above being subject to comparison with anything. Uh, and it is for this reason that some people have objected to the above words of the author. Uh, so, basically, he's saying, but it doesn't include, this statement doesn't include the Qur'an, because... The Qur'an is more magnificent even than the Prophet wasallam, Because it is the word of God. It is the actual word of God itself. Uncreated. The next verse says, لَمْ يَمْتَحِنَّ بِمَا تَعْيَ الْعُقُولَ بِهِ حِرْسًا عَلَيْنَا فَلَمْ نَرْتَبْ وَلَمْ نَهِنِي He did not try us, again, continuing to praise the Prophet wasallam. He did not try us with things that confound the mind out of concern for us. So we neither doubted nor strayed. So the idea here is that the Prophet wasallam is uh, given from Allah as the Messenger of Allah understandings of things that we maybe don't understand about various levels of reality, about the material world versus the spiritual world and all of these kind of things. The Prophet ﷺ has begun with knowledge of some of these things from God Himself, but He would not try the people with things that they cannot understand. And, and that's from His generosity to the believers that He didn't do that. Um, and this is an important principle. It doesn't mean if, for example, someone can't, there's a concept that's beyond someone's reach at a particular time, it doesn't mean that you're hiding information from them. It means that you're trying to give them information that they can understand. Uh, the easy example of this is with converts. You know, people start thinking, well, that's getting a little bit vague and so on. Look, if someone converts to Islam, do you sit them down? They don't even speak Arabic. They don't anything. You just sit them down and be like, okay, repeat after me. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Ar-Rahmanin Rahim Maliki Yawmiddini Yakin Abudu And then you go like Arayatan Ladhi Yukadibu Bidin Fidanik and Ladhi Yadu Aliyatim You start like reading, you tell them okay memorize this right now You sit with them for hours and just memorize all of this Qur'an They don't understand any of it It's beyond like you're going to give them a response Give them something that they can't actually handle at that time Or in conversations with people as they grow in their faith You know it's not like you just hit them with everything all at once the other thing that happens with converts As soon as someone converts And they come into a community Then people want to tell them everything about Islam All of a sudden And they usually contradict one another um, And that's a mistake You know, Let people grow It's the same thing with children We don't, give, we don't take like 5 year olds and 6 year olds and 7 year olds And teach them the intricate intricacies of usul fiqh like you need to understand why this word has this particular indication in this context or whatever it is. You teach them about Allah, you teach them about the Prophet them. And with later times, later things get exposed to them. It's attributed here to the Prophet them, but I've also seen it to Ali radiallahu an. I'm not sure which one is correct, but you can take uh, the meaning of it. Which he said, حَدِّثُ النَّاسَ عَلَىٰ قَدْرِ عُقُولِهِمْ Speak to people according to their ability to understand. Uh, do you want them to reject Allah and His Messenger? So the point is, if you give them actually something that they can't understand for no reason, then they will reject Allah and His Messenger. Uh, so it's a very, very serious thing. And so he's, he's mentioning that out of the things that the Prophet ﷺ was generous to his community with, was that he didn't overwhelm them with things that were going to be too hard for them to understand. Uh, that doesn't mean that he didn't have conversations with companions and specific discussions and stuff like that. Uh, 
that that maybe didn't go to everyone, but were with uh, some. Sure, there's different things, but sometimes uh, you don't want to overwhelm people. So from his kindness and generosity was that he didn't overwhelm the believers. Man's mind is exhausted trying to understand his meaning. All of them, near or far, appear as if dumbstruck. So the idea here is that when you try to... Someone, it's like... Uh, you know, like if you were to count the blessing of Allah, you cannot come to a completion of it. You know, so he's saying that when human minds are trying to understand the Prophet them, they find all of these things that are so amazing and so incredible, then eventually, you know, their minds become fatigued. It's only so much it can handle. And the next verse comments on that more. Which means he is like the sun. So here's the what does he mean? He is like the sun. Small to the eye when seen from afar, but dazzling to the sight when seen close up. He is like the sun. Small to the eye when seen from afar, but dazzling to the sight when seen close up. So when you look at the Prophet ﷺ from a distance, you don't understand actually the reality of him. Because he's far and just looks like a regular human being. Abu Bakr and the Prophet ﷺ come from, Mid- from Hijra to Medina. They think Abu Bakr is the Prophet ﷺ. <laughs> coming on the horizon they think he's they think Abu Bakr is the prophet because the prophet is walking and you know this is the humility of the prophet them. but when you see from a distance you get a general idea but it's not a true understanding so but then when you come up close it's like the sun right but if you come up close the 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 majesty and and the illumination is such that you still can't really see the reality of it Right, you still can't see the because it's so overwhelming in its illumination. It's just light everywhere. Can't so the the light is so great that it 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 overtakes the whole entire thing, right? So he is like the sun, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. From a distance, you know, it's it's just the sun, but up close. Dazzling to the sight when seen close up. Right there, it's just completely overwhelming. وَكَيْفَ يُدْرِكُ فِي الدُّنْيَا حَقِيقَتُهُ قَوْمٌ نِيَامٌ تَسَلَّوْ عَنْهُ بِالْحُلُومِ How can his reality be grasped in this world? By sleeping folk distracted from him by dreams. He's saying that the idea here is that the deepest realities of this world uh, of this existence are hidden from us by our connection to this material existence. The deepest realities of existence are hidden from us because of our connections to the material issues of existence. So how can they realize the reality of the Prophet them? When they're asleep and distracted by their dreams. When they're asleep and distracted by their dreams. You know, the heart, for example, the heart as, as being an entity that is influenced by the, the ruh, by the soul and the spirit. Uh, the heart can understand things that the mind cannot understand. But sometimes, and this is why, part of the reason why Tazkiyah to nafs is so important The disciplining of the self is so important Because as long as the self is not disciplined Then the only thing that occupies the mind and the heart Are the issues of the self The self is occupied by the issues of itself The mind and the heart is occupied by the issues of the self The self wants some food The self wants some drink The self wants some rest The self wants this The self wants that It always wants something that's material but the soul, the soul yearns for the company and the closeness to its creator. The soul yearns for that relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, 
But the self is getting in the way. So when we have things like praying five times a day, when we have things like all of the adab, the etiquettes and the mannerisms and the characters of Islam that really seek to refine and discipline the self, the idea is to quiet the nafs. You know, if we discipline the nafs enough, then we can quiet the nafs. If we can quiet the nafs, then maybe we can begin to hear the heart and the soul speak. Speak in things that maybe we weren't able to understand otherwise. And this is also why this hadith that keeps coming up of the Prophet ﷺ, that Allah said that no one draws closer to Allah by anything more beloved than the obligations. Then after the obligations, they do that which is optional until they become beloved to Him. So in order to do all of the obligations and get them down, and then increase in the optional things and get them down, then this requires a lot of disciplining of the self. And when the person goes through this much effort and they're deep in this relationship with Allah, then Allah becomes uh, the eye by which they see and the ear by which they hear and the hand by which they strike and the foot by which they walk. Uh, meaning Allah inspires the way that the person lives and the way that they interact with the world. But the self has to be quieted. If the self is quieted, then the soul can really show itself. So why is it, how can it be that these people are going to grasp the reality of the Prophet ﷺ when they're asleep and the only thing they're doing is they're distracted by their dreams. So how is it that they, can, they, they can't do it? They're so distracted with everything else that they can't understand things in such a deep and profound way that would give them a glimpse into the reality of the Messenger There's some examples, I'm trying to think of them right now. So, for example, when you're steeped in, in this is probably I think the most clear of them, but when we're steeped in following our own desires, when we're steeped in not submitting to the way of God, then we're not able to appreciate certain things. So you might meet someone who's very beautiful and very amazing and very incredible, but you can't appreciate them at all because any number of other reasons. You know, it's just the way that you perceive reality is so, we perceive reality can become so tainted that it makes it so that we can't see actual true beauty. You know, it's kind of like today when you try to show, for example, if you try to show people the essence and beauty of something like something like humility. Many people don't understand humility in the modern world. They think humility is weakness. They think humility is this or that. Like people who are connected to some sort of trans-historical tradition, they can usually accept it. People who really have a deep understanding of Christianity or Judaism, people who have a connection to some sort of world philosophy or history that's been gone for many, been been around for many centuries, they can understand humility. But you take the average person who's like totally steeped in living modern life, making money, buying things, watching television, doing all of these kind of things. You take them, try to show them modesty or humility or something like this. They completely reject it. They can't understand what is the value of this thing. So what happens is the nafs then, the, the self, can become a barrier between us and deeper understandings. And then he caps it. I mean, it's not a cap on it, but it's, it's another one like the other one that really emphasizes, what are we saying right now? This is what we're saying. فَمَبْلَغُ الْعِلْمِ فِيهِ أَنَّهُ بَشَرٌ وَأَنَّهُ خَيْرُ خَلْقِ اللَّهِ كُلِّهِمِ So the, and the extent of our knowledge is that he is a mortal, and that he is the best of Allah's creation. So this is it. So in the end of the day, this is what it is. The extent of our knowledge, he's immortal. وَمَبْلَغُ الْعِلْمِ فِيهِ أَنَّهُ بَشَرُونَ He's a human being. وَأَنَّهُ خَيْرُ خَنْقِ اللَّهِ كُلِّهِمِ And that he is the best of all of the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet himself, he said this. He said, I am the noblest of the first and the last in the sight of my Lord. And that is no boast. It's like I'm not saying this out of arrogance. I'm saying this just to inform you. And I am the master of the children of Adam on the day of resurrection. I am the first person whom the earth shall be cleft open. And I am the first intercessor and the first person whose intercession shall be accepted. 
The Prophet ﷺ also said, I am the master of the first and the last, and the master of humanity on the day of resurrection. This was in the verse that came before, Sayyidin Kawnaini wa Thaqalain, Wal-Fariqaini min Urbin wa min Ajami. That he is the master of all of it. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa kullu ayin ata ruslu an kiramu biha, fa'innam attasalat min nurihi bihimi. Every miracle produced by the noble emissaries who came before him came to them by virtue of his light alone. So basically what this is getting at, and we kind of touched on this before and we don't want to get distracted by it, is that uh, some of the, one of the narrations, for example, the Prophet wasallam says, uh, I was a prophet while Adam was between spirit and body. Kuntu nabiyan wa adamu bainu ruhi wal jasad. That I was a prophet bef- while Adam was between uh, the spirit and the body. So the idea is that the Prophet ﷺ actually proceeded in his prophethood in the spiritual state, uh, all of the other creation and all of the other prophets. So anything that they did actually, it also goes back to him wasallam. <laughs> For he is the son of virtue. For he is the son of virtue, and they are its planets. They display its lights to mankind in the darkness. Until finally his light rose on the horizon and his radiant guidance dawned upon the world, bringing life to the other nations. So basically the idea here is that the Prophet ﷺ, in his virtue, is the sun. And these other messengers, they're the planets or the stars. Kawakib can be planets. or um, and, and, and when it's dark at night, all you see is these stars and these planets, and you see reflection from them. And they give you some amount of guidance in the dark. But when the sun shines, then all of these things, uh, they don't disappear, but their light is enveloped in the light of the sun. So the Prophet them is the sun that was sent to uh, all of humanity at the end of times. And so his, the gift of his guidance overcomes uh, all of the other types of, uh, of people who came before him. There's two verses I want to finish them and then that will bring us to a good stopping point. أَكْرِمْ بِخَنْقِ نَبِيًّ زَانَهُ خُلُقٌ بِالْحُسْنِ مُشْتَمِلًا بِالْبِشْرِ مُتَّسِمِ How noble the qualities of a prophet beautified by such traits, full of beauty and marked by smiles and good cheer. So this is a prophet. He's so beautiful. How incredible is he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He's just so noble. And he's full of beauty. And he's marked by smiles and good cheer. He's marked by smiles and good cheer. The Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, was, as they say, da'im al-bishr mutawasil al-ahzan. Da'im al-bishr mutawasil al-ahzan. Which means that he was constantly smiling and his sadnesses were one after another. So both of them exist there. Both of them exist there. That he goes through immense sadness, immense struggles and hardships and, and difficulties, and yet he's always smiling. And this is the way of the Prophet ﷺ, to maintain optimism, to maintain this positivity, in spite and, and the smiling, in spite of all the difficulties that he's facing. And so one of the things that's important to realize about that is that someone smiling in happiness does not mean that they're not concerned about certain things. You know, this is more or less the modern Muslim discourse that we have. You're not allowed to have any happiness in your entire existence because if you have any happiness in your entire existence, then it means that you don't have concern for people who are being oppressed in place X. Right? This is the way we are. If you do, if you, have, if you enjoy anything from the blessings of Allah, then it means that you don't care for the people being slaughtered here, or the thing that's happening there, or whatever it might be. The Prophet ﷺ was da'imid bishr, mutawasil al-ahzan. Always smiling, 
and the, the sadnesses came one after another. So there's an idea that still, even though this, we recognize the reality of the world, but we also recognize the creator of the worlds, and that there are things that we can still uh, enjoy in, in, in spite of all of the hardships that exist. And the last verse that we'll stop on, inshallah, for today, it says, it's one of the more famous verses also of the poem, because it has a nice flow to it. كَالزَّهْرِ فِي تَرَفٍ وَالْبَدْرِ فِي شَرَفٍ وَالْبَحْرِ فِي كَرَمٍ وَالدَّهْرِ فِي هِمَمٍ So it's, it has a nice flow to it. كَالزَّهْرِ فِي تَرَفٍ وَالْبَدْرِ فِي شَرَفٍ وَالْبَحْرِ فِي كَرَمٍ وَالدَّهْرِ فِي هِمَمٍ like flowers in delicate beauty, like the full moon in honor, like the sea in generosity, like time in persistence. This is all praising the Prophet ﷺ. That he is in his beauty like uh, a flower. You know, like when the flower opens itself up and exposes itself, it, there's just so much beauty in it. And the, it's a delicate beauty, you know. It's it's a very subtle, pure, delicate beauty. And this is the beauty of the Prophet sallallahu and the full moon in honor. That when, you know, I, I think that a lot of this is lost upon us in in modern life. There was a picture that came up on the screensaver the other day, of a desert, and. It had a picture of the sky above the desert. And it's almost like the sky is white. <laughs> now, there's so many stars that are visible. It's almost like the sky is white. And LA is bad. Egypt was worse. Cairo was worse. You could barely see stars in Cairo. Very tough. Between the physical pollution and the, and the light pollution, very tough to see stars. But you know, he was like the moon in its honor because you have all of these magnificent stars. And when the full moon rises, the full moon just... There's nothing like the moon when it rises in the face of all those stars, even though those stars are so magnificent. That he's like the, the ocean in his generosity. And the ocean is... How do you even begin to comprehend the ocean and its magnitude and its and its vastness? And he's like that. The Prophet says to them, it just flows. His generosity just flows, flows and flows and flows and flows. Not only with wealth, but also with self and with who he is and what he gives to others. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And what dahrifi himami means. Uh, like time in persistence And this is something that the Arabs used to say um, They used to um, uh, Express proverbs In persistence related to time the Time has taken its toll on me So there's this idea that That time uh, It's persistent And it's true I mean what's more persistent than time It just keeps going no matter how much you want to stop it, no matter what you want to do, no matter what's going on with you, time, it still keeps going. And it still keeps working on you. That's why Imam Shafi'i used to say that time is like a sword. If you don't slay it, it's going to slay you. You know, basically, it's working on you. It's working on you. So it depends. It could be working on you in a good way. It could be working on you in a bad way. But either way, it's persistent. And the Prophet ﷺ was like the time in his persistence. Rejected, ridiculed, thrown out, boycotted, economic, social, everything. Just keep going. Keep going. Keep delivering the message. Keep delivering the message. One of the stories that I remember, I'll stop on this, from one of the imams that I used to spend time with, Hafidhullah. One time I went with him to a, a church. A lot of times when he would go to the churches, they were nice. They were, they were respectful and everything else. This time that we went, they happened to be very disrespectful. 
and uh, people who had questions, they would just ask all these disrespectful questions, and there was a break in the middle of the session. And mashallah, the Shaykh was so confident in Islam, didn't phase him, not even like, didn't phase him at all. People are asking questions, they're being disrespectful. Then they all come to him during the break, and they're like, well, I have this question. They start asking their really tough questions, right? He would just smile, he'd say, do me a favor, when we open the session again, ask that question so everyone can hear the answer. Do me a favor, when the session starts again, ask that question so everyone can hear the answer, every one of them. He's like, don't ask me questions in private. Ask them in front of everyone, and I'll answer them in front of everyone, and it'll be fine. You know, ask whatever you want, no problem. And then we finished, and we get in the car afterwards, and I was like, Sheikh, you know, it's really hard that they're dealing with you like that, and they're treating you this way, and so on and so forth. And he says, Yeah, I think to the life of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and the things that he went through and the stuff people said about him and the way that he was treated and the way that he was ridiculed and beaten and all of these type of things. He's like, then I realized that what I'm going through in this church right now is nothing. It's not even a drop compared to what the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam went through. So I just deliver the message and I go. I don't think about it. And it wasn't like he was showing off. It wasn't like he was trying to convince himself of it. I mean, it was like completely leveled the entire time. Through the whole experience saying what he did. Alhamdulillah, it's okay. Alhamdulillah, we went there. Alhamdulillah, Allah gave us the opportunity to address these people. Maybe someone will understand the truth of Islam. And we go on to the next ones. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. So, كَدَّهْرِفِ himami, Like the time and the persistence. We just keep going, keep going, inshallah. This was the way of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Allahumma salli wa sallim wa zid wa barik ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam tasliman kathira. Allahumma alimna ma anfa'na wa anfa'na bima alimtana wa zidna ilman wa amalan saliha. Allahumma zidna mahabbatan lak wa li rasulik wa habibna ila ba'dina. Ya Rabbil Alameen, Allahumma barik fina wa baynana wa alaf bayna qulubina wa sufufina. Allahumma wafiqna ila al-khair. Ya man wafiqa ahla al-khairi ila al-khair. وفقنا إلى كل خير يا من وفق أهل الخير إلى الخير وفقنا إلى كل خير اللهم حبب الرسول إلينا حبب الرسول إلينا حبب الرسول إلينا يا رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم جزيلا كثيرا والحمد لله رب العالمين